What is happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your free resource for everything Ohio State Athletics news. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, on Wednesday, August 23rd, 2017. And this is another episode of our 2017 Opponent Preview Series podcast. We're getting close to the end here. We only got about three more episodes left as we are about a week away from Ohio State kicking off the season with Indiana. And if you want to listen to this episode or any of the other preview series podcasts or any of the other Hangout in the Holy Land podcast episodes we've done, be sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land or go on to Apple Podcasts and search the Hangout in the Holy Land You can subscribe, leave a review, leave a comment, leave some feedback there for me, and we can help make this show the best Ohio State podcast out there. But enough of that. Let's get into today's show, and we are going to preview a team that has been a thorn in Ohio State's side in recent years, even when Ohio State's won, and that is the Michigan State Spartans. And to do that, I am joined by the brand new editor-in-chief, of SB Nation's Michigan State blog, The Only Colors, and his name is Kyle Thiel. Kyle, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Colton, how are you? I'm doing well. Congrats on the new gig. Ah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining. Like Before we start the show, I, I have to ask, in like the most simple of terms, what the hell happened last year? <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good question. Uh, you had a lot of guys with high expectations that just weren't that good, coupled with a lot of good players getting injured and missing huge amounts of time, and then uh, guys that just couldn't stay out of trouble. So it was just kind of a perfect storm of awfulness in East Lansing. Yeah, you mentioned all of that, and it's been such a long year between the 3-9 and nine season, the off-field problems, the dismissals from the sexual assault charges, and everything else. What's it been like kind of watching all of this unfold for a program that's been pretty steady on and off the field under Mark D'Antonio? Uh, you know, it's it's been uncomfortable, to say the least. Uh, as far as all the off-field issues go, it, it's tough to dive into some of those too far. But I, I, I was happy with the way D'Antonio handled everything. I think he uh, took the right steps, removed the right players. There, there was some issue as to how quickly it, it should have happened. But regardless, those players are gone. Uh, they're moving forward with the group that he believes are the right personality, are the right people to win. It's funny, though, you say that it's it was steady because this isn't the first time that D'Antonio's players have had a few issues off the field. Nothing this big, but maybe five years ago or so, maybe a little bit more than that, there was a big fight uh, with football players and there was a frat involved in the hockey team and a bunch of players got suspended or kicked off the team then. So this isn't necessarily the first time. This is definitely the biggest, but... D'Antonio has had these kind of issues before with players and needing to rebound from something like this. Yeah, that's interesting because it definitely feels like, even though it may not be the first time, that that coupled with one of the worst seasons in recent memory for them, that it's just kind of snowballed. Yeah, it's definitely the ugliest. It's it's the ugliest season for D'Antonio. It's the ugliest offseason for Michigan State in a long time. It's really, it's football can't start soon enough for his program. So a lot of analysis about Michigan State this year due to all of the stuff we talked about has been pretty doom and gloom from the outside, but from the inside, from a fan's perspective, and even from a program perspective, how are Spartans feeling about the upcoming season? Measured optimism, I, I would say, is, is the way they're 
the base is feeling in general. Uh, a lot of the doom and gloom, I feel, uh, is coming from comparing Michigan State's last few teams to, uh, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, even Michigan, who, who's going to have a little bit of a down year. Michigan State's not going to be as good as those teams for the most part this year. There's just no way around that. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be a bad team. That doesn't mean that they're going to come back with another three-win season. I think I think the fan base expects the team to kind of take some take some big steps. They won't be competing for the Rose Bowl, but they should be playing important games down the stretch. What do you think the defining characteristic of this year's team is going to be? Is it moving past last year? Is it a youth movement and building towards 2018? What do you think the MO for the 2017 Spartans will be when we look back on them after this season? I think it's going to be the emergence of some young, uh, young stars, young guys that while they're just going to be maybe showing flashes this year, or, you know, maybe they have one big game surrounded by some times where they fade away. I think you're going to see some flashes and some reasons to be real optimistic in the next few years. So we usually kick off talking about the players on the team and some of the X's and O's stuff about the quarterback with everybody, because that's everybody's favorite thing to talk about. But with Michigan State, I want to start with the offensive line, and they don't bring back a ton of experience up front. What's the outlook for them, and how important is it for them to kind of get those new players ready right away, especially when it comes to getting LJ Scott going in the run game. I, you know, short of maybe quarterback experience on the offensive line is really the most important thing. Uh, but with that being said, the experience that they lost from last year wasn't very good. Uh, they, they're not losing too many guys that you're, you're saying, Oh, they're really going to miss them while you're watching them on Sundays. So it's not like the turnover is going to be a huge drop off. There, there's a lot of guys that they really don't know what they have, to be totally honest. They have guys that they're hoping for the best and guys that they think they might have something in, but you don't really know just because they're so young and so inexperienced. There's a few spots that I think um, some leadership will need to grow from. There's another Allen on the offensive line, uh, so that's going to be some built-in confidence. But after that, you know, you're getting a little shaky as far as who you really trust to keep the pocket safe, to get that push on third and short. Who are those offensive linemen going to be protecting at quarterback? That's a spot that you mentioned that's very important for them. And is there still a battle going on there? Or have they, they named the starter going into the season yet? There was never really a battle. I, I don't believe D'Antonio's officially named the starter yet, but it, it's going to be Brian Lewerke. It, he's, it, it was his job from jump. There was really no no one else this offseason that was going to even really get a full shot at competing. Uh, you, you got a guy in Damian Terry who's a senior coming back. You know what he is. He's just he's just not that good. He's real athletic. He's just not that great of a quarterback. There's a lot of excitement behind uh, Messiah DeWeaver, but he's, he doesn't have the experience that, that Lewerke has. So Lewerke might not be the guy – Next year, he might not be the guy the year after that, but for this year, it, it's his job to lose. What do you think the upside of Lewerke is? What does he bring to the offense that maybe the other guys don't? Consistency, I would say, is the big one. I think all of the guys that they have in that quarterback room are athletic. Uh, a couple of them have real big arms. But with Lewerke, you're getting a kind of steady mix of all of it. You're getting a guy who can lead an offense down the field and you're not going to see just kind of crumbling too often with him. 
the jury's still out on just how good he can be. There's been some big comparisons and not necessarily fair comparisons to him talking about Connor Cook uh, just because of kind of how they took over a team and everything like that. But I think he's a good player that can be the starting quarterback on a good team. You talked about having you know some of those new players on the offensive line and just because you lose guys that doesn't necessarily mean that you know they were good that you can bring in a bunch of new players and they can be better than the old guys is that kind of the same situation at receiver because there's really not a ton of experience behind Felton Davis III who caught 12 balls and he's their leading returning receiver there is a lot of excitement with the wide receivers, and it's all because of their incoming freshmen. Uh, you're right, they're, they're not bringing back a whole lot of experience, but they have some guys that they think early on in the season will put up some big numbers. You got Cody White, who uh, has been singled out a handful of times, and Hunter Risen, both uh, have been singled out by D'Antonio as freshmen who he expect to jump right in in you know, the first game of the year and be playmakers. And these guys are big recruits who in a position like wide receiver, you can make an impact right away in college football. So I think there's actually some excitement to at least see what kind of players you have, what kind of athleticism you have. These are guys that, that could change the way defenses prepare for Michigan State. Please tell me that people are already calling Hunter Bad Moon Rising. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, Phenomenal. There was, there was a little concern actually that he wasn't going to come to Michigan State because of all of the connections uh, to his dad. But... Fortunately, he made his way to East Lansing, and everyone could not be more excited. All right. we it's It's been too long that we've been in this podcast, and we haven't even talked about L.J. Scott. And I don't want to get the Michigan State fans mad at me. Trust me, we know who L.J. Scott is. And he heads into his junior year, and not that he was bad as a freshman, but he really improved in his sophomore season. What can you expect from him in his third season, especially if that offensive line has a little more consistent play. They get a push in the run game, and it seems like this offense is going to flow through him again. Oh, yeah. This is uh, this is going to be his offense to push. That's for sure. I think the best comparison, and again, it might not necessarily be fair considering what he's doing now, but Le'Veon Bell's junior year, they were in a very similar situation where he was far and away the most important player on offense. The quarterback spot was a little iffy. And everyone knew that in any important situation, Bell was going to get the ball. He had a phenomenal year. Uh, I, I expect Scott to have a great year as well. I think you're going to see defenses really focusing in on him, which ideally should help the passing game. If, you know, bringing a couple extra guys into the box, a, a few quick passes uh, should open things up a little bit. But Scott's the kind of talent that he doesn't necessarily need a great offensive line, as you saw last year. He's going to be able to – he's got that patience. He's going to be able to pick apart a defense a little bit, and he's pretty versatile. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but he's quick enough to, to beat linebackers. He's, he's a next-level talent. Most in Michigan State circles expect this to be his last year. Flipping to the defense, Michigan State has been so defined by them in the Mark D'Antonio era, and last year they dropped to 41st in defensive S&P Plus after finishing 13th in 2015. How have they gone about addressing some of those concerns on defense and the step back they took to try to get back to where they have historically been under him? Well, the thing, the biggest difference in Mich the biggest difference in Michigan State's defense from two years ago to last year was their inability to get turnovers. Uh, it's it's always been kind of a high risk, high reward defense, uh, trying to bait passers and ball carriers into 
situations where they feel comfortable, and then Michigan State's able to force a turnover. Last year, they didn't get those turnovers to nearly the same level. That starts with the defensive line. Obviously, you need pressure. There's some there's some reasons to be excited about the defensive line. You have a guy in Mike Panusiak who is he really kind of exploded onto the scene at the end of his freshman year last year. So they expect him to do a lot. His brother's a freshman on the end now. Uh, if they can get some push there, they believe that they have the defensive backs that are going to start returning to that no-fly zone defense. That's that's a big jump. Uh, that's a lot of pressure on a freshman and uh, a couple of inexperienced guys, but they think they have the talent to get back there. And D'Antonio can coach defense. That's one thing we know. Uh, so if, if they can get back to forcing offenses to take risks, take unnecessary risks, there, there's going to be a shot that you at least see some regression back to where they were. Is the key for this defense this season getting back to where – they were getting a pass rush because that was an area that they really struggled last season. I want to say their leading sacker only had two and a half sacks last season. Who are some of the names to look out for in that defensive line? And how important is it to help out those guys in the secondary after they kind of got shredded through the air last year to be able to get after the quarterback? Oh, it, it was crazy last year. You have a guy in Malik McDowell who's now playing on Sundays who they just couldn't get a push with, you know, they were trying him in different spots and they, they love moving guys around the defensive line to just screw up offensive line blocking assignments, but they just, they couldn't get a push. And that might've been because everyone was focusing in on one guy. Hopefully this year, uh, there's a little bit more spread. Uh, like I said, you have, uh, the Panusiak brothers who should both be playing together on the offensive line pretty regularly. Uh, Raekwon Williams is going to take another step. There's not a whole lot of names that you're going to recognize. I think they have a much deeper defensive line this year. Uh, They have more guys who, because of last year, have more experience. So I think what they're going to try and do is send waves of guys. I think you're going to try and uh, you're going to see Michigan State try and catch offensive lines off guards with different guys lined up in different positions and new bodies coming in at different times, especially early in the season. You're gonna, Probably by the time they face Ohio State, it'll be a little bit more settled, but you're going to see them hit offensive lines with waves, I believe. What do you think the strength of this defense is going to be? Uh, that's tough. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the linebackers right now. I think there's some guys uh, that are solid, but nothing, nothing special yet. I think it's going to be that defensive line. I think you have enough bodies, enough strong talent in that defensive line that you're going to see offenses be put in more of a, a second and long, third and mid situation. And then you're going to find out how good the defensive backs are. But I, I think that for now, they're going to rely a lot on the, the defensive line, being able to slow down a, a running game and put a little bit more pressure on quarterbacks. Before we get into expectations for this season, one of like the low-key hot topics around the Big Ten has been talking about Michigan State and if they were to have another bad season that, oh, is is Mark D'Antonio on the hot seat? And I've checked out your guys' website and the thing that I took from it is like, Mark D'Antonio is on the coldest hot seat of all time. For people that don't understand kind of the dynamics of his position at Michigan State, what would it take to even consider firing him? And, and we're only talking stuff on the field here. Right. So, you know, not to, not to insult my own school or anything, 
but we're not Alabama. Two bad years aren't going to, we're not going to drive the best coach we've had in 50 years out of the building. So it's crazy to me to think that even if for some reason they finished the season again with three wins, D'Antonio's not going anywhere. Uh, he, he's not going to be fired for two bad years in a row. That's just not happening. Um, you kind of touched on it. The only way he gets fired after this year is if there's more off-the-field issues and you start to see something like a, a Baylor or something unfolding. If, if three seasons, then okay, then maybe then maybe they walk away. Then maybe they say you lost whatever touch you had. But two seasons, it's just not going to be enough. I think a lot of people who are trying to put him on that hot seat are putting him on a hot seat because of what he's done over the last five to ten years and not looking at what Michigan State football has been over the last 20 years. There's a lot of cold, empty space in Michigan State's history that you need a co- you need a coach in college football. If you don't have a coach, then you don't have a team. So I, I think it's crazy for people to be jumping to these conclusions and saying that you know he could be in trouble after a, another subpar season. How much of that do you think is like you referenced earlier, due to Ohio State being the way that they are right now, Michigan having Jim Harbaugh and recruiting at a high level, and then. Penn State winning the Big Ten last year. Yeah, you know, it seems like a lot of people have very short memories in uh, what Michigan State's been able to do. When D'Antonio came to Michigan State, Penn State was still one of the better. They were they're a perennial top 25 team. Ohio State was still right on the verge of winning national championships. And Michigan uh, was still expected to be a, a top 25 team every year. So this this... This isn't something, it wasn't like D'Antonio stepped into a Big Ten landscape that was devoid of talent. Now, things changed over that stretch, and that allowed Michigan State to kind of take a step up and and then get more recruits. But this isn't something that he's never had to deal with before. You know, he's he's won with two- and three-star recruits before. Um, So I think a lot of the, the criticism is he's not as exciting as Jim Harbaugh. There's, there's no way around it. You know, Jim Harbaugh, you just kind of keep an eye on him on any given day, and he's going to do something weird, and everyone's going to laugh at him, and Michigan is going to get more headlines. So if you're comparing the two, and if that's what you deem as a good coach, then D'Antonio's nowhere near it. But if you're comparing what he's been able to do on the field, it's, it's crazy to me to compare Harbaugh, who hasn't really done anything yet, to what D'Antonio's been able to do. Do you think there's any worry in the Michigan State fan base about falling far behind Ohio State, Michigan, and now Penn State with the way that they've been able to rise? And not to say that you know they're going to go four and eight every year and be left in the dust, but do you think that there's any worry? And is it legitimate to kind of think like, man, you know, we we may have had our our window and had our run? Uh, no, I don't think there's worry as long as uh, D'Antonio is still in charge, honestly, and. It sounds cheesy to just keep falling back on, you know, we, we trust in the coach, but he's won with lesser recruits before. He's taken three-star recruits to the NFL before. So he's got a great eye for talent. I don't think the fan base is all that concerned with falling too far behind a lot of these teams. I, I, you kind of always expect Ohio State to be Ohio State, right? They're pretty much through the years. They've always been right there. Penn State, me personally, I'm still a little skeptical of what they are going forward. I, I, I want to see them prove it. And Michigan, 
you know, we've seen this in Michigan before. We've seen Michigan say, oh, now they have the guy. Now they're going to go right back to where they were. Now they're, they're going to reclaim their past glory. You know, okay. They were, they were good last year. They're not going to be great this year. So let's just see how that all plays out. So I think, I think fans in East Lansing right now are looking a little bit more at the big picture. They know where they've come from. They know what they've won with before. So I think it's a little, it's a little early for them to be putting the nail in any coffin. Yeah, and I think given Michigan State's history and with what D'Antonio's done, it's, it's definitely, I think, legitimate to fall back on that and say, hey, you know, We'll, we'll wait and see how it plays out, especially like you're saying that Penn State has is kind of brand new to this, at least under James Franklin, and we'll see how they do this year. But I think that there are worse things in the world to fall back on than, hey, Mark D'Antonio's our coach. I think we'll be just fine. Getting back into this year's team, what do you think a best-case, worst-case scenario for 2017 Michigan State is? Well, so best-case realistic or best-case uh, as a fan? As, as a fan, I think they can win 10 games. Sure, why not? Um, realistic, though, I think you can see best-case scenario, you see this team winning 7-8 games. Uh, you know, they're going to compete down the stretch for, for some uh, big bowl games. I think they have a legit shot if everything bounces their way to uh, beat some teams that maybe people have high hopes for that you don't, a team like Northwestern, I think they can absolutely beat if everything is, is clicking and going in the right direction. So that's where I, you know, I would say seven, eight win, eight wins is probably a best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you're looking at four or five wins. There's a few teams that they should beat no matter what, but you know, worst case scenario, you're looking at, a season where you know you're not going to a bowl game pretty early on. So, it, you know, it's it's kind of a big stretch. It's kind of a, a, a wide margin there. But uh, that's just because they're so young. You, you really don't know what you have in a lot of uh, position, uh, skill position players that are going to have big roles. So I don't think it's out of the question to say that they could be playing on uh, New Year's Day. I also wouldn't say anyone's too crazy if they thought they were going to finish with four wins. What do you think a fair expectation for them is? Is it somewhere in the middle of that? Yeah, make a bowl game. Um, I think every I think every Michigan State fan should expect this team to make a bowl game. If they can't do that, then then the team has underwhelmed. Then you gotta you know really look into some of these players and if if you need some more turnover. But I think if uh, if if they make a bowl game, that's a big big step from where they were last year. And considering the youth on the team. That's a great sign going forward. Well, if you want to follow anything going on in Michigan State's attempt to rebound in the 2017 season, we would highly recommend that you guys check out theonlycolors.com for the best Michigan State coverage on the internet. Also, give them a follow on Twitter, at theonlycolors. And Kyle, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at tle 10 at T-H-E-L-E-1-0. Be sure to follow him. Be sure to follow The Only Colors. And as we lead up to that Ohio State-Michigan State game, which no matter what, will probably be like way, way too closer than it should be, given past history. You know, I, I was laughing about that. I, the game kind of reminds me uh, of the game from two years ago when Cook was out and you just don't really expect Michigan State to do a whole lot. Now, I don't expect them to win by any crazy stretch of the imagination. But, you know, a late season game, weird things happen. So, you know, if, if you're a betting man, I wouldn't think you're crazy to take Michigan State in the points. Yeah, I'm definitely not taking any liberties with Michigan State <laughs> anymore. That, that game two years ago, I was writing a weekly column, 
And I reference back to that 2011 game when Ohio State had like 150 total yards. Yeah. And I think one of the last things I said was, well, at the very least, you can expect Ohio State to have more total yardage. And they had like 95 yeah. total yards. Yeah, so those, never know with Michigan State, man. And in Michigan State, and it's like, it's so cliche. And I, I hate this. This is my least favorite thing whenever Ohio State plays anybody, especially in conference, is the games where they play a bunch of kids from Ohio mm-hmm. that didn't get Ohio State offers. And they always <laughs> bring it up on the broadcast that like, oh, Connor Cook and whoever else, they, they didn't get that Ohio State honor. But to some extent, it is true, and that always seems to be the case with Michigan State, and they, they always get up to play Ohio State. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, should be a fun, it should be a fun game. Well, be sure to visit theonlycolors.com to follow everything Michigan State and lead up to the game against Ohio State this year. Kyle, thanks for joining the show, man, and talking Michigan State. Yeah, Colton, thanks for having me. Michigan State's going to be real interesting to watch this year. Like Kyle said, Mark D'Antonio has the track record that if they won nine or ten games, I don't think anybody should be completely surprised if that happens. But at the same time, after last year, it wouldn't be a shock to see them win four or five games either. A lot seems like it's going to depend on how that young talent acclimates and if they're able to get on the field right away and make a big difference. And if not, then I think that they can be better in 2018. But I think a lot is going to hinge on that youth and whether they can step up on both sides of the ball, especially at receiver and on the defensive line. I want to say thanks to Kyle for joining the show. Once again, be sure to go to theonlycolors.com and keep up with everything Michigan State football. Also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into the show today. Hope you guys liked it. We are getting near the end of our opponent preview series podcast with the season a week away. We still have three episodes, so be on the lookout for that. We've still got a preview Illinois, Nebraska, and Michigan. So keep your podcast feed open. Keep your eyes open for those. Be sure to go to soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland or go on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe by searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. And if you like the show, tell a friend. The best way we can make this show the best it can possibly be and the biggest it can possibly be is through word of mouth and through your guys' contributions. So if you enjoy the show, tell an Ohio State friend about it. Tell a college football friend about it. And be sure to send me some feedback on Twitter at DubsCo. That's D-U-B-S-C-O. Let's make this thing the absolute best Ohio State podcast right here on these here interwebs. And be sure to give me some feedback and let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and anything I can do to make this better. Until then, though, keep your head up, keep your ears open, keep your eyes open on this podcast feed because we got more great stuff coming your guys' way later this week and early next week. We got those podcast previews to finish off our series, and we're going to preview Indiana early next week to get you guys ready for Thursday night and the kickoff of Ohio State's 2017 season. So be on the lookout for all of that good stuff. Until then, though, thank you all for listening. My name is Colton Denning. The spot was good. It damn sure was good. And this is the Hangout in the Holy Land.